All right, Glenn Power, James Pikeway. It is the PowerWorks podcast, and we are we're we're dumpster diving. Actually, we're gonna we're always gonna, talking rubbish. Yeah, well, we always talk rubbish, but we're gonna actually look at the rubbish and get an idea what it is we're looking at. Yeah, and I know we've talked about the fact that. You do all sorts of different repairs, and we're going to start going into a lot more detail in our longer podcasts as well. But I thought it'd be kind of fun to do some shorter podcasts, just looking at some of the different things that are going on around the garage, taking a tour. We'll do that on another day, looking at some of the different cars that are in this one. And, and we're actually at your other garage. You do have two. Yeah, yeah. The IP today. Yeah. It's not really conducive to filming, is it? Found out <laughs> well, the last half an hour. Yeah. But, we'll manage. <laughs> Okay, we're, we're standing at the dumps. This is the recycling bin. This is where your metal guys are going to come and dig around. The first thing that came to mind as I was looking in here, and I'm going to go grab our other camera and bring it in closer, but there's there's a nice engine block sitting in here. It's... Uh, it's not nice. It's... It's just an engine. I mean, there's nothing nice about it. That needs to well... <laughs> Well, as I and I'm going to just bring this camera so we can get a nice a nicer look here. But as we're we're looking at this this engine block, I mean it is it's a disaster. Yeah. Well, this one failed. This one overheated actually. Just threw the head gasket, and it goes out one of these. It's out of the transporter van. Okay. So if we're taking a look in, we're taking a look in the garage here. You can't really see too well, but. If we look out this way and you look off in the distance, you can see, oh, here's one right here. Here's, here's a transporter van sitting here. So it gives you an idea of what we're talking about when we say it's coming off a transporter. So when you when you say it failed, what 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 are we talking about? It was driven overheated and then the egg gasket failed on it, filled up with water in the cylinders, and then it becomes a matter of economics. It's for a fleet of vehicles, so it costs the money to have the vehicle off the road. So we just got a second-hand engine and just swapped the engine rather than strip this one down and rebuild it, which would take at least a week. And that's if parts are available. We don't always get parts for these here. So uh, you then talking about mail order, shipping them in from overseas, you can be talking two to three weeks for parts. So it just makes no sense to have the vehicle on the road. Can we just change it for a second-hand one? And there's no value in us rebuilding that now. The, the, the customers are going to pay the time that it's going to take us all the parts to do that when they can just go and buy second hand engines for 1,000, 2,000 euros. The, the lesson here, again, when we're, we're looking at an engine like this is if you're driving and your warning light came, comes on, stop driving. Yeah, I don't want engines in my scrap bin, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm looking at that thinking, how am I getting that out? <laughs> Putting it in the back of the scrap truck, but... Yeah, it is just a very simple mistake that's caused ultimately complete failure of the engine. Mm. So just for not paying attention to a warning light on the dashboard. Yeah. This is a, a nice heavy piece of metal. Yeah, this is a motivation <laughs> stick and we run around the garage chasing the mechanics with it. This is a control suspension control arm off the Land Rover. Um, I mean, it looks like it's in good condition to me. Uh, steel isn't bad. Yeah. But the rubbers are all falling apart. And I mean, you can see. Yeah. The ball joint is completely exposed. Well, that's like exposed to the elements. I can't even move it. Yeah, there you go. Exposed to the elements. That rubber, that should have rubber around it to keep the grease in, but more importantly, keep the, the moisture and the dust and dirt out. And that has failed. So there's play in that when it's loaded. Yeah. These bushes have started to go, but the reason for changing the arm is that. Now, is there no way 
I mean, I'm looking at this thing and I'm remembering years ago, you would have grease nipples and all yeah, sorts yeah, of- Yeah, yeah, I've built ball joints on Land Rover, some of the defenders. Where, where's, where's, where's the grease nipples on these things? No, no. None? Non-serviceable. You can change the bush in. So if the bushes fail, we can press those out and press new ones in. Okay. And on the steel arm, that's, that's okay. You can do that. On some of the aluminium arms we talked about before, we wouldn't recommend pressing bushes in. Oh um, man, that's light. Always wear gloves when working with dirty parts. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, so as you can see. Being this one, this is aluminium. If you're pushing that bush out, which you can get these bushes actually, but if you were to push that out, you'll take some of the aluminium with it. Okay. The problem then is when you push the new one in, you also push a bit more aluminium out. So then that bush, whilst you might not be able to turn it by hand, is loose in there. And as yeah. soon as you load it up on the vehicle, it's loose. Being loose isn't the end of the world, but what it does mean is that it's free to move. And when it's free to move, it starts to wear out and wear out and wear out. Then there's excess movement. You can't get the wheel alignment straight and the bush wears out quicker than it would have if, had it been on a brand new one. I mean, what, what's striking me as I'm looking at both of these pieces, labels, you know, the, all the labeling is still very clear. Yeah. They, to the naked eye, aside from the rubber pieces that have deteriorated, they all look really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the problem, one of the problems is in, in some of the issues you have in the market, like this one's a good example. I could get a rubber boot that would probably fit over there. So I put a rubber boot on there, put a bit of grease in it, clean that all up, make it look nice. We, you know, we get them with, with paint on the rubber bushings as well. And they'll say it's a reconditioned arm and then someone will put it on. But there's play in here, but you don't yeah. know till it's on the vehicle. Right. You've already bought the car, uh, you've already bought the part and it's on the car and, and, and a lot of times you can't actually return the part or you don't know till it's too late. And that does happen quite a lot, so it's not worth taking a risk. And when these fail, okay, you get noises, squeaks, knocks, rattles even. But the untold issues are often tire wear. So this arm is going to cost you, let's say, a thousand dooms to change it one side. But the tire could be a thousand dooms. And if you don't change this to save a thousand, you're going to get 22 next time. And that's the problem. And also, excessive movement on this arm can lead to extra strain on the other arms. So it's all about making sure the parts go into their desired range of motion. I, I'm constantly just... It, it blows my mind that we've gone from an era where you can do a whole bunch more servicing on these things yeah. to a point where now it's going to cost you a thousand dirhams, whatever. We'll just get another piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got some classics in there where they are serviceable. The old 64 Mustang, 65 Mustang. So there's a, an old Mini in there. Um, there is other old cars where you can service these sort of things. But on, on the more modern stuff, they're not serviceable. Part of that is down to cost of production. To put a grease nipple in there requires drilling one hole, putting one set of threads and putting one nipple in. That sounds wrong. It doesn't sound like a big deal. Right? Yeah. But they're making millions of these, right. millions and millions and millions of these. And every single thing and every additional operation on any single part adds an extra chance for something to go wrong. So the less things they have to do to them, it saves them money and it, it saves them money on the failure rate because things don't go wrong on production. So there's a lot of reasons for it. But also, it's cheaper for me to change an arm than service an arm. So if I get that arm and sell it to you for a thousand dirhams, you say, you know what, why can't we just change them? Let's change the bushes, grease me the ball joint, put me a new boot on it, try and change yeah. the ball joint. I'm going to charge you three hours labor. Three hours labor is going to be 700 dirhams nearly. 
or you can have a brand new arm that's going to last you three years. And that's where the problem is. It's all a matter of economics. And at the end of the day, most people are sort of, whether or not they chose to, they're all right with it. And people have gotten used to it and it's no different to a mobile phone. It gets a bit slow, you just throw it away and get a new one. That's just how it is. A disposable economy. Yeah, yeah. What about all these brake pads? We got tons of brake discs. Forget the pads. There's one that's got the pads on it. Yeah, the discs, yeah. Are these just worn out? So, I mean, it's hard to see on the camera. Um, Here, I'll bring one in. But we need the, but. the micrometer or the verniers to measure across. We'll probably have to use a mic on this one because of the lip. There's quite a lip on it. I mean, I can grab that there with my fingers on the lip. They have a measurement on them. So, again, it might not come out on the video. But there's a minimum thickness here of 19.5 millimeters. So when we measure them across that dimension there, 90.5 millimeters is the minimum it can be in thickness. This disc is below 90.5 millimeters. Mm. So there's no way to reuse it. And the reason that there's, there is a minimum thickness is they have to deal with heat. Brakes get very, very hot. So if we, are then, if we then apply brake pad, take the disc, it overheats it. It can't deal with the heat and it warps and often cracks. So very important that brake discs are thick enough the manufacturer that makes the discs, make them to a certain spec, but they're very strict with, they have to be a certain thickness to deal with the heat. And it's dangerous if a brake, yeah. anyone that's ever seen a brake disc crack and explode some race yeah. cars, brake disc will disintegrate because the heat. Um, it's very unlikely to happen on a road car, but the time that you need to hammer on the brakes because there's a queue of traffic in front of you is the time it's going to happen. There we go. Anything else of, of note in your bin? I see a radiator back here. No, no kittens in here today. No kittens. Good change. A couple radiators. radiators yeah. I'm always, I'm always surprised at the plastic on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the radiators are a good example of again something that's just changed from radiators used to be quite serviceable. But if you see here, this is a tank. There's one on the bottom. Sometimes on the ends. In this case, this is orientated top and bottom. This tank has a seal between the aluminium core and the plastic top. You can fold back these lugs here, take off the tank, reseal it and put a new tank on. Sometimes the hose connections here, you can see, okay, just break that with my finger. Oh man. So that's often what happens. So that will fail under the pressure of the clip that's holding the hose on. Yeah. The plastic will go into the radiator and block it, or it will circulate around to the system in a lot of cars, turbocharged, especially with electronic coolant pumps. It will damage the electronic coolant pump or block the thermostat. There's a lot of things that, that can do. I mean, that's not me. I'm not giving that any pressure. I've not even had my breakfast today. So that's... I mean, it's, for me, it's, it's just counterintuitive. You've got this hot, yeah, hot water going through your car. Yeah, and it's going into a you know a radiator, which I understand the aluminum. I understand what other metals are involved, and then you got all this plastic, and I, it blows my mind. It just constantly blows my mind. Again, it's economy, isn't it? Yeah. You go and look at the classics in there; they're complete poly aluminium radiators. Um, the ones that you get now are, are, are plastic, and again, that as I said, that is serviceable. Um, but the issue becomes if the core is blocked with plastic, or if there's a hole in the core because you've hit a bird on the road, or someone's slipped a stone up and you don't always notice it. So. To take the radiator out, some vehicles can take three, four hours. Some vehicles, it's just an hour, it's not a big job, but either way, there's still labor involved with it. And then another couple of hours to then strip it down with the potential of breaking one of these lugs. 
So at that point, the radiator's screwed. With the potential that you put it all back together and it has another issue on the car, you know, changing these radiators is cheaper than rebuilding them. Mm. That, that, is, that is unfortunately just the way it is. Now, mm. what that says to the quality of them, I don't know, you know. Um, but where possible, we always like to use the original radiators. Anything on the cooling system, we like to use original, just because we get a warranty with it and we know that it's designed for the vehicle so it should work. Mm. And that's, that's really quite important for us. Yeah. Anything else jumping out at you in your uh, your garbage bin? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, it's a typical day, really. I say the engine's a little bit of an unlucky one, but the rest of it's yeah, all usual well, stuff. And, and you've even got the, the whole head stuff. I mean, that's all plastic, too. Yeah, so that's an intake manifold. Yeah. The intake manifold's intake all plastic. Off of that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off of that one. Oh, man. That'll go to a separate salvage but yeah all plastic and again that's cost but it's also saving a lot of weight yeah if you compare it to an aluminium one yeah crazy wow glenn thank you very much for walking us through your garbage bin and we'll do it all with more rubbish yeah more rubbish i think it'll it'll be kind of fun if we actually in in future conversations walk through the garage take a look at some of the cars yeah, yeah, that you're working on the, whatever you want to call it yeah well let's look I, you know what i'd love to do on our next one is take a walk through and look at some of the classics that you're working on and have a look at yeah and and talk about just the the reality of if you got a classic car and you're saying hey i want to get this thing back on the road the reality of what you got to be thinking about the reality of what it's going to cost you the the, the challenges and 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 just being realistic about them but you get a classic car so yeah i think that that sounds to me like a great thing to do yeah wonderful do it glenn power powerworks garage i'm james pikeway and this has been a powerworks podcast short and we are uh well today we were touring the touring the rubbish bin <laughs> we'll do it all again real soon so long for now